All right, guys, you heard our schedule predictions, and now we're going to rank our top offenses going into 2020. Me and Lou are here. We're going to break down our top five teams. We're going to give you a team that we left out that could potentially be a top five offense and a team that we think is the next up to really be in that category. What's going on, Lou? Yeah, we are back, man, and I have a couple of good takes for you guys, so take notes. But I'm going to come in with my 15. This one could go in a lot of different ways. Some people could say it could be higher. Some people could say, like, oh, how could you have that as a top five offense? But, I, you know, I really want to base this off of potential and true superstars that are a part of that offense. And coaching also takes a part in this. But I have the Bucks at five, and it's going to be an extreme challenge for this offense to gain chemistry with an offseason like this and be able to, you know, just, like, click right away. But they have Tom Brady, and I really trust Bruce Arians to, to really make that offense work. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I don't think I have to name guys like that. And I think their backfield will definitely get better. I think their offensive line will be better. And that's why I have them at five. I can't put them any higher just because there's not a lot of chemistry in there yet. But, you know, just off of potential and where they possibly could be at, at the end of the season, I got to have the Bucks in there. Yeah, Steve, I have the Bucks in mind as well. Just so you guys know, I did not do an order, but I do have my top five offenses. And I, I do think uh, these are definitely going to be the teams that you can't miss on the TV. And they have a lot of primetime games for a goddamn good reason. Uh, so if I had to rank them in the, the least uh, scary, I would say on my list, probably be Arizona. Just because they're young, young head coach. But obviously, Steve, they have Kenyon Drake. They have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, the O-line needs a little work, Steve. That's the only reason I have them so low, but we've been talking about Arizona all offseason, and they're going to be an offense that, that people cannot miss. No, Lou, they, they really are, and I wanted to have them in here, but it, it's just so hard. There's so many great offenses, and I just really would rather give the nod to some guys that have a lot more experience. And Tom Brady, you know, he, he's the GOAT. So, like, I just had to put him in there right before Kyler Murray. It stings, doesn't it? It <laughs> stings saying it. But, no, I have them in there, too. I have them – if I had to rank it, I'd have them above Arizona. But, yeah, I don't even want to mention that guy's name. Lou, I'm just a realist, though. I, I, I can admit when I see it, you know. But, but coming in with my fourth offense, I'm going to stay in the same division. And I think it's the Saints. We know it's now or never for the Saints, you know. I think they really got a good number two to accompany Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. But that offense should really be a, a top three unit. I think Kamara needs to play uh, 16 games with Mark Ingram not there. Clearly Latavius Murray filled in like pretty well. But Mark Ingram was, was a little superior to what Latavius Murray was providing for them. So I really think having him on the field and healthy is going to be important. And Lou, that defense is going to have a, a whole lot of depth. I know we're just talking about offenses here. But that team as a whole is going to be seriously scary. And just being able to compete with them for 60 minutes, I think, is going to be significantly tough. And Breeze has just gotten more accurate with age. And I know you've kind of been off the Breeze bandwagon because he's had so many opportunities to make it work. If he doesn't make it work this time, I think it's time to call it quits. Definitely, Steven. Yeah, you know me. I'm the Breeze realist. But I have the Saints on the list, Steve, and, and in order to add the fourth team on my list, Steve, this shouldn't surprise anybody. It's Kansas City. Again, Steve, I said in the last episode, I'm not crazy about them for a whole season, and I think there will someone will get the jump on them and figure out the offense a little bit more than they have in the past. But, man, Kelsey, Hill, 
They just got a running back out of the draft, and they have a healthy Patrick Mahomes, man. Uh, they're the Super Bowl champs, so they have to be in everybody's top five offenses, and especially in the top three, just because um, they have a top two quarterback on the planet, and Andy Reid is an absolute wizard of coaching. No, he definitely is in lieu. A guy that I think is also doing a great job as a coach comes from the offense that I ranked three, and that's in Seattle. Uh, Seattle really has a loaded backfield, Lou. I know you saw that that addition to Carlos Hyde on top of Rashad Penny and Chris Costin, and that's just so many guys that I think even if individually they can't last the season, you can trust any single one of those guys to get the ball 20 times. And that's on top of their huge receiver threats, their deep tight end room. And let's not forget one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league that still deserves an MVP vote to this day. I just think having a happy Russell Wilson and healthy tight ends, I think Russell Wilson can really get close to 50 total touchdowns passing. Dude, uh, definitely, Steve. That's a great platoon of backfield. They're going to be so fluent, and it'll be the next man up, Steve, even if someone does get hurt. I mean, yes, Russell Wilson is my number one guy. Everyone knows this. And having him happy and healthy is, is the best thing for Seattle. Steve, they did not crack my list. Do you know who the fifth team on my list is? You may not have guessed this, but it's the Atlanta Falcons, Steve. Wow. I, was, I thought you were going to say the Colts. <laughs> no, but we're going to be there. No. And the Colts aren't even one of my left off teams. So I have the Falcons there because listen, the O-line has gotten slightly better. They have Julio Jones still. Calvin Ridley is coming into his own. And now they have Todd Gurley. It'll be kind of reminiscent, Steve, of the Sarkeesian offense that they were running when they made the Super Bowl, Steve. Now they have a viable pass catcher out of the backfield. I just really think that this is their last year. And I feel like they know that if they aren't explosive this season, I think Matt Ryan's tenure may be done. He is definitely a hot seat guy, Steve. And they had a good offense last year regardless. Even when he was, you know, banged up, they still weren't an easy team to play. So I do think people are sleeping on them, Steve, and go Todd Gurley. I need to see that guy come back. No, those are all fair points. And I'm a huge Calvin Ridley fan. Like, if you want me to be honest, like, let's just take this to fantasy really quick. If I have a top 12 fantasy receiver and Calvin Ridley's my number two, I feel so secure. You know, obviously depends on, like, who I have on my bench. But, you know, Calvin Ridley, he's either consistent 80 yards, and if he's not, he gets like 60 yards. He'll always cap that off with a touchdown. So 8 to 12 points week in and week out. I think he doesn't get as much love as he really should. And, Lou, I don't even have to talk about Julio Jones. And let's not forget the new tight end edition. Uh, they just made the trade with the Ravens in, in Hayden Hurst. And I think Matt Ryan and him can really build a good chemistry. And, Lou, I love the, the addition of Gurley there. And I, I, I do hope we can see – him at, at his best because I really think Gurley can make the Rams kind of eating up his contract. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think he has a, a lot of motivation in him. But going to my next team, Lou, I have to have the Ravens as my number two offense. They were already the best rushing team in the NFL, and they just got even better in the offensive line, even though Marshall Yonder retired. They definitely addressed the offensive line. We know that they got another young running back that's going to see the ball a lot. And they can realistically run the ball 45 times a game, have enough weapons and energy to do that, and absolutely dominate teams. And I know that's not how teams really want to work in 2020. You know, everyone wants to, like, pass the ball and throw for 350-plus four touchdowns a game. But I think that if they stick to this script in the playoffs and just show like they're, they're the bully, they're going to play big brother football with you, I, I just think that 
that's their success plan to really just being themselves. I hate when they try and play outside of that environment because they can be so good. But I think, I know you're not a huge fan of Marquise Brown. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's a guy that can potentially be a top 15 fantasy receiver and have over 1,200 yards. I think he's going to be the number one guy there. And even even a Willie Sneed and a Miles Boinkin coming in at two and three, I don't think they're going to be anything crazy. But I think those are guys that, that you would definitely watch on, on the waiver wire to add to your team. But the Ravens, are also the second-best offense because of their quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Lou, I know you're not a, a huge fan of him as a passer, but I think you know ju- just to be an MVP winner speaks a lot in uh, your second year. So as long as he has healthy weapons and a playoff-ready quarterback, I think that team is, is ready for a Super Bowl. Yeah, Steve, I definitely agree. Um, I think they will take a big step back offensively. I think they'll still be a top-five offense. They're on my list. It's just, again, the MVP season, and I kind of feel like, again, people figured it out. If, if you can get the lead on them, it's very, very tough to force him to throw the ball a lot. And, again, their defense is absolutely dynamic and phenomenal, so I don't think they'll be in a lot of those situations. But I like the high-flying offenses a little more. And I'll tell you, Steve, my team that almost made it, who I think could take that fifth spot, Steve, a team that I cannot stomach, but the Cleveland Browns may be back for a vengeance, Steve. And a lot of people are going to sleep on that offense. And damn my team, Steve, that almost just made it. Nah, Lou, that, that's definitely a close team. And we, we were talking about this for the past couple of years now. This past year um, that the Browns just missed in this upcoming year is going to be the only two chances that the Browns have to really prove that they can make it work with this core, with this team. Odell, Jarvis, you know, Chubb playing together. But, Lou, I think... Hoop, hoop, hooray! Oh, wow, I completely forgot about Hoop. He's there! Yeah, and Kareem Hunt. Yeah! Yeah, wow. But I think more importantly, though, I think Baker Mayfield has a lot to prove. Uh, All those guys are kind of proven weapons wherever they were before, you know what I'm saying? So the biggest question mark kind of relies on him and how he can get the ball to his guys because it just seems on all the right plays, he's looking at the wrong guy, you know what I'm saying? I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. But Lou, to the number one offense, I have to go the Chiefs. They have the best quarterback with extremely dynamic offensive weapons. They have a chance to dominate in the AFC for years to come with no question. But I think a dynasty prediction is something that we would still need to really be built up and seen because the Patriots just dominated for 20 years. I don't think a dynasty is just going to get filled in like the next year just just so easy, just so often. I think there's still a lot of, of things that need to be proven with the Chiefs as far as defensively, even though they do have a lot of studs. But I think, you know, having the best quarterback in, in the world definitely helps to provide a, a best offense. But, Lou, the, the tight end position so fast. The running back positions are so fast. The receivers, do we even have to talk about the speed? And it's just like they just keep on getting better and better. That's why I think the Chiefs are inevitably the number one offense in the NFL. Yeah, definitely, Steve. Uh, like I said on the other episode, they're going to be a mainstay for a while, reminiscent of, again, like my Colts. I mean, we only got one, but still, I mean, they had the record for, uh, besides the Patriots, most 12-win seasons consecutively. I think they, I think Peyton and the Colts had like eight or nine seasons consecutively with 12 wins, and I can absolutely see the Chiefs doing the same damn thing. No, I hear you. And, and Lou, there's a team that I left out, and there's a team that I have that could be the next-up team. First, I'm going to go to my left out, and that's the Packers. And, you know, 
I really just want to like clear the air because I, I really respect and I, I admire Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great passer and he's thrown so many great passes, some of the best passes I've ever seen. But if he doesn't have enough weapons to win year in and year out whenever the Packers lose, how can it be viewed that the Packers are a top five offense? You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't really make sense. I know Aaron Jones is really good. Jamal Williams is a really good second back. Devontae Adams is, is a great number one. That's not a doubt. But, you know, that, that whole second receiver just never really came to life. It, and that's still what's hurting them. And it's really been affecting them since Jordy Nelson was there with Randall Cobb. So I just I left them out, and they got to kind of sell me that they could still be a top-five offense. Yeah, definitely, dude. They just It's just funny because when Rodgers was in his real prime-ish, you could say, it was a lot of slot receives and a lot of quick, fast guys. It just seems like they're almost stuck in the mud now, you know? Not that Devontae Adams isn't fast, but he's a go-up-and-get-it kind of guy, you know what I mean? He's not like a Tyreek Hiller. He's not like a... Even when Jordy Nelson, like you said, Randall Cobb were in the slot, Steve, like they were quick, fast cuts, and he was able to get the ball out over the middle of the field and scramble. Now it's just kind of like the design plays they run just look slow and stiff and almost generic. You know what I mean? It's almost like we've lost that Rogers fluidity and kind of offbeat kind of play. And I feel like they need that seed to be successful. So I agree. I can't solidify them as a top five offense until things change. Absolutely. And Lou? Hand me out for my next up because I know that you're definitely not going to be too fond of this, but that's Dallas. And you know how much it pains me to say that as an NFC East New York Giants fan. But, you know, the addition of C.D. Lamb will only raise the potential of Dak, Zeke, and Amari. And if the contract is resolved with Dak and the coaching works out with Mike McCarthy being there, Lou, this could be really scary and could automatically be better than the Bucks and Saints offense if it clicks just off the bat like that. There's no guarantee that it will. We know the Cowboys are always the Cowboys, but Jason Garrett isn't the coach, and maybe Mike McCarthy took that year off, and it really worked wonders for him. So that could be my team that could be the next up for, for a top-five offense. Steve, I, I, I really agree with you. I mean, I think they're all loaded up and suited up. And it's kind of funny because as we were talking about Green Bay, we'll really find out, okay, who was the problem? Was McCarthy really behind on the times? Or was it Rodgers' unwillingness to kind of do anything that wasn't in the game plan? You know what I mean? And kind of try to have things his way. And Steve, you're right. They could really be like, personnel-wise, I, I really don't know if it's close on offense in that division. You know what I mean? It's just, they're stacked, dude. And, and we'll really see, Steve, if they can take that next jump because they have the run game, the O-line. It's just now, can they put it together with the QB and the wide receivers in a fluent game plan? Oh, definitely. I think a lot of... The woes last year for Dallas came with that offense, though. That's why they, they missed the playoffs. And it, it was just so crazy to me. That should have been the year where they took full advantage. You know, the Giants have been bad. The Redskins have been bad. The Eagles had a down year. So I just thought, you know, this was when we were going to see Dallas really make the push. It's going to be really different to see how, how it's going to work with all these factors. Well, Lou, this was a really cool episode. Uh, happy we got to rank out top five going into 2020. And guys, let us know what you think. Let us know your top five offenses and the team that you would leave out for your top five and your next up. Let us know in, in our comments, messages, whatever. But check out our website, sincethesandbox.net. Leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts, and that wraps things up. Peace.